0: Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda or just water, whatever you like, in the fridge. water friends today. How we doing? Great. It's really good to finally be sitting down with you on the show. It'd be better if it was in person. But hey, you know what? In a weird way, with your persona and how most people know you from being on the internet, this almost feels like the perfect way to be talking to you, to be completely (laughs) honest. And for anyone that doesn't know who I'm talking to today, I'm talking to the one and only weird person. Paul, make some noise for the internet. So here we are, 2020, in the midst of the COVID-19 lockdown. It's something that I feel most people want to avoid talking about, but it's almost impossible to do so. You're somebody who I feel probably is handling this maybe a little bit better from a creative standpoint than some other people, because I feel that you've already spent so much of your life kind of working on stuff inside, filming videos, being on the internet. You're probably maybe adjusting a little bit easier to this. Does it even, did it even feel like much changed
1: for you? Uh, not at first. At first, it didn't feel like any change, really. Really? And then as the time wore on, occasionally I would say, boy, I'd like, maybe I'd like to go somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> After maybe four weeks, I was like, eh, maybe I should go somewhere. But of course, I can't. Um, but I've just been really busy. I've been really busy. I haven't really relaxed at all in the six weeks that I've been uh, staying at home. Same. And I know that probably pretty soon I'll be going back to my real life and my job and everything. And I'm not really looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I just had that realization over this past week as well, where at first I'm like, this is great. I have so much time to catch up on all these things. And then reality kind of smacked me in the ass and was like, it's not going to be like this forever. So you can't get too comfortable thinking that it's going to be free time all the time. Right. So it's finding that balance of enjoying your time and using like being mentally healthy and stoked to be able to do things, but not get so comfy that once, you know, Oh, time to go back to work that like it fucks you up in your head. It's
1: yeah. I, I feel like I've spent too much time working and I haven't, I feel like there's a lot of people out there that have in, spent some of the time enjoying themselves, you know, doing things that they enjoy having a little more time to do those things. And I don't feel like I've done that. So I feel like I owe myself a day or two coming up.
0: So with that being said, you know, when I think of you, I know you as somebody that just I feel like you do what you do enjoy. I feel like all of the videos and the music and the vlogs and everything. I feel like that's just so much of who you are as a person but you're telling me you're not spending too much time doing things that you enjoy. So what would some of those things be that me being an outsider, not possibly not be aware of?
1: Uh, well, other than doing a, a little live stream concert uh, a little, a little while back and making some cameos for some people, I haven't played my guitar at all in the last six weeks. Oh, wow. So I miss doing that. Um, I'd like to do things that I never, never do. And I actually feel like, Oh, I had some time. I could have done it. Like do a jigsaw puzzle, for instance. I'd love to do that. Um, play video games other than playing a couple of games for specifically for some videos I had to make. I haven't, I haven't done that. Um, and just very specific social media things that I want to do. Like I have a letterboxed account, which is somewhere where you log every movie that you watch and since I have very detailed records of every movie that I've watched in my life, I've watched over 9,000 movies. I'd like to go and put them all in there by date every year, what movie I've seen. And that's something I was like, Oh, over this period of time, I'm going to have stuck at home. That's something I'm going to work on. I haven't done, I haven't done any of it. I didn't do any, I didn't log anything. I've just been very busy and I haven't done any of that stuff. Those are things that I wanted to do that I haven't done.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm super curious about, you know, Somebody like you I relate to in the sense of you have all of these things that you enjoy and you're passionate about and you've found a way to make it you know take over so much of your life that all of a sudden your passions become your responsibilities. True. And balancing that. And I'm curious yes. about what it's like for you over the years how have you been able to find that balance to like still be passionate about things that have just become these responsibilities, whether it's like a a social responsibility to like, you know, your Instagram followers, or if it's a monetary responsibility, or anything else? Like,
1: how have you found that balance? Well, of course, the monetary responsibility is always the top responsibility (laughs) in my life, Uh because I've struggled for most of my life. And uh, trying to make sure I have enough to pay the bills by the end of the month has has been a, a real challenge um so that always takes precedence certainly if there's some kind of opportunity to make a few dollars i'll always put that before everything else because it's absolutely necessary it's just part of getting getting through life Mm -hmm. um the good news for me is that there's always been so many new avenues for reaching people and trying new things and it just keeps evolving and that's what keeps it fresh for me and keeps it interesting for me So, you know, I got on YouTube for a while and I did that. And then Vine came along a couple of years later and I had a a great time doing that for a couple of years. It's gone now, but that set me up doing Vine, set me up for things now like TikTok and Instagram. You know, it was able to give me content for those places now that I have a pretty decent following on on those apps. So I have a lot to, to pull from and... There's all this new stuff coming along, and now I'm going to start streaming on Twitch because live performing is something I've always enjoyed, and it's something I actually need to function. I need to get out in front of people and perform, and that's not something that is possible right now, and it probably won't be for a while. Mm -hmm. So now I've gotten on Twitch, and I haven't done any live streaming on Twitch yet, but I'm about to start. I figured out... A couple of days ago, how to get my analog camera from the 90s to function as a webcam so that I can live stream with an analog camera. And I plugged all my backing tracks into a little interface mixer. This is stuff that I had no idea how to do. I've never done any of this before. I had to figure it all out this week. And I've got it all working. And I'm really excited about my new area. It's going to be Twitch. I'm going to yeah. start doing that. So that's what keeps it fresh for me is having new things to integrate myself into and still be myself. But I have new um, platforms and new places to to put myself.
0: Yeah, it's wild. It it feels, you know, all these platforms keep coming and going. And for somebody like you, you're in a super fortunate position because you're able to just hop right on and you have this huge well of content that you can use but you also are constantly creating new stuff it's just like a a never ending cycle for you so I do feel fortunate I yeah. feel very for anybody that isn't aware you have been filming what we now call vlogs for a very long time much before that term was ever invented probably even a little bit before the internet was even a thought to most of the most of the world Yeah, and I'm curious about like you know what that, what that part of your life was like, like pre social media and sharing your work with the world. What was how were you distributing your stuff back then, or were you really not? Was it more of like a just kind of focused on local friends sort of thing and just playing shows?
1: No, I started in high school doing all this stuff. Recording, writing songs, performing, making videos. And at first, it was just something that I showed to people in school. I had a couple of teachers who were really progressive. Let me bring my, my videos in and show them, or, or let me play a little of one of my songs in class or whatever. And I didn't really have a lot of friends growing up, especially uh, when I got to high school. You know, it was very clicky, and uh, I was real scrawny. Quiet. Uh, I would try to just blend in as best I could, you know, not be noticeable. Because as soon as I was noticeable, that's when I started getting picked on. So just tried to be quiet and and not make a make myself appear um, visible to anyone. <laughs> so once I started putting out my music on tapes, which I was selling in in high school, that's when I people started to take notice. I said, "Wow, what's going on here? What's what's this kid doing?" And that was by the time that that happened, I had less than a year left in high school. You know, I was almost done. So I was able then to have some friends and people were coming over to watch me perform at my parents' house or a friend's garage or, or whatever. And they started buying my cassettes and I was showing my videos at these little performances I was doing. So that that was great for that little while, but then high school ended and I really didn't talk to any of those people much anymore. It was it just all kind of fell by the wayside and um it wasn't there wasn't much going on at that point i had a few people around the country that uh were interested in what i was doing and i i had some of my stuff in some catalogs from independent uh, releasing companies and things like that and that's how my music started to get out there and and you know a couple more influential people started to hear it and that was how i ended up eventually getting signed to homestead records which was a, was a popular independent label at the time uh, so that was basically it. I had little mailing list, you know this is how we did it back before the internet. You would yeah have a list of people with their actual home addresses, and you would send them a postcard saying, "I have a new album out you know, and this is how you order it or whatever and that was that was basically it. There wasn't any other avenue you know I was selling a videotape of some of my content to people through mail order. That was it. There was no forum to get it out there, and I was watching. Even when I started making videos, I was influenced by what I was seeing on TV. There was actually a couple programs on TV in the mid-80s. Of, this was long before America's Home Funniest Home Videos, that kind of stuff. There was a couple programs of people's videos that they had sent in. And they showed them on television. And I said, oh, I could do that. I can make videos like that. That was what I was um, imitating yeah. when I started. And... I just put my own little spin on it, which was I started talking into a tape recorder at a very young age. I think I was eight or nine. And I would just, I have all the tapes still. It's just me talking about my day-to-day life and everything into this tape recorder. So I just sort of transplanted that to video. It just gave me that added dimension of, of sight as well as sound. And that was what people do now on YouTube. They sit in front of the camera and talk about their life. It just seemed kind of natural to me. It was just like a little video diary.
0: So I'm super curious about whenever things started really popping off with YouTube and you know, you as an outsider, just seeing this happening for the first time, what was your thought? Were you like, holy shit, I have all of this stuff and finally I have a place to put it or were you kind of like, did it take a while for you to realize that you could take advantage of this?
1: I realized it quite early on, but my issue was I had no idea how to make content that was filmed on analog tape in 1984. How do you get that on YouTube? (laughs) How's that done? I had no idea, and I've never been good with technology. Uh, I'm very lucky when I figure something out. Like I spent months trying to figure out how to get my analog camera to work on Twitch, (laughs) so (laughs) I finally figured that out. So it took me... I'll say it took me a couple years before I found what I needed to be able to do that—to transfer my videos into a movie file that the internet could understand that I could upload to YouTube. So you know, once I got it that figured out, then I started moving fast. You know, I put up a video, 365 videos in 2012, one every single day of my, mostly of my old movies from the 80s. And uh, after that, I said, "Oh, this is people are actually still interested." And what they, I can make a video now of me talking now and they, they've even watched that and that's when I when I started doing that you know I, I realized that's that's um, that's what what people are doing that's what people want to see they don't want to just see what, what I did 30, 30 years ago they want to see what I'm doing now
0: yeah I think that that's the the super fun thing about like seeing the early videos that you did and then seeing videos now it's just like you know weird Paul has been weird Paul for such a long time. Like, it's just it's just you. And it's I hear that a lot. Yeah, it's so it's that's what makes it like complete. You know, I feel like there are some people where it's like you may see, you know, somebody, you know, such as yourself singing a song about Hello Kitty online and be like, what is this? But then you go back and it's like, holy smokes, this guy has been doing this sort of stuff pretty much his entire life. Yeah, And I think that it's fascinating. I'm super, super, I like, I find like when I was growing up, there's a lot of similarities uh, between the two of us, not necessarily in the work that we created, but just that, Uh, you know, being, I was an only child, didn't have a ton of friends growing up. I used to like, my grandma had a tape recorder and I learned at a young age how to like dub tape to tape. Like I could like play a keyboard thing and then uh-huh. play it back and then like sing on top of it. And I would have a copy sure. of the tape. And like I still have some of that stuff as well from when I was a kid. And then like when I was in high school, I like begged my mom to get me a camcorder. Uh, it was probably in like eighth grade, eighth, ninth grade. So then like I had a camcorder through high school and me and my friends filmed like, you know, that I didn't know how to record music. So I had like a little thing that I could make beats on and we would just like play it and sit in front of it and rap. That's awesome. <laughs> and then like, you know, then like uh, run the ox out from the camcorder into our stereo and then dub it to tape and that was like how you know we were able to make our music and like so whenever you know i came across you for the first time and seeing the stuff that you were doing i just felt like i was like i i it it was uh i just connected with it on a level because i felt like i lived this in some way and i still am because i'm still doing everything that i was doing when i was 10 when i was 15 like i just haven't really changed i've just acquired debt other than that (laughs) (laughs) everything else is pretty much the same so you know now we are here we're in 2020 and the digital revolution is smacking us in the face we're literally talking to each other face to face in real time on the internet it's crazy but you still insist on using analog equipment to stream on twitch Right. I I I, I am not here to attack that concept. I think it's great that you're doing that. But I'm curious about how you feel about like you know like oh every cell phone in the world you could shoot a movie on these days when you know we grew up at a time where like you know we're trying to figure out like what tapes we don't care about that much that we can overdub and things like that.
1: Sure, all the time. Yeah, yeah. It was that was the the thing was that um, equipment and. Tapes were very expensive. Yes. Time. When I bought my first videotape to tape stuff off a TV, it was in 1982. It was $13 for one videotape. Wow. Yeah. And that's 1982 money. Yeah. (laughs) That's ridiculous. And so we had to do that. We had to say, I taped over, I made, there's a lot of music videos that I made my own videos. I taped over them because I just didn't have room. You know, this was when I was a kid, I did this. So I still regret that. But that's what we had to do. If you wanted to, to make more, you, you didn't have the, mm-hmm. the option. Yeah. Um, I that, That's part of what makes it special to me, is the fact that if you go back, if the further back in time you go, the less movies you're going to have of people doing it themselves, making their own little movie. Right now, everybody does it. Everybody has their own YouTube channel, is filming stuff with their phone. The further you go back, you go back to a point where, okay, nobody could film with their phone because phones didn't film anything, you know? Yeah. And you have, okay, some people had HD cameras, but you keep going back further and further. You go back to 1984 when I started filming myself. There's not a lot of video content of people filming themselves in 1984. Oh, there's content out there. Of course. I'm just saying compared to now, there's no, there's no uh, question. You know, there's, it's, it's a ridiculous difference. So. Uh, I think it makes it special that that exists. And I like the fact that what I'm doing now is not something that anybody does. And people keep saying, uh, this is really crazy and it's cool. And I see some people get a camera and they start doing it. And I think a lot of people don't realize how, that it's a little more work. And you know what? It really isn't that much more work for me. I've gotten so used to doing it and so fast at doing it. Because I've done it for years now. I've done it for eight years now. Yeah. So I've gotten really good at it. And it really doesn't take that much longer for me to do it versus using new equipment. In fact, the learning curve for me on using the new equipment would make that take longer for me right now <laughs> if I try new stuff. But I don't think other people realize that. And I'll see other people say, I just got a camera and I'm gonna do this like you did. And I don't think they do it for very long because they realize, oh, this is really gonna take me a while and it's it's not time time efficient
0: there's a part of, I would imagine that there's a part of the process. That's almost like a ritual. There's like a nostalgia to it. And it's like, if that process isn't part of it, like if the nostalgia is gone, a big part of why we continue to do this is also gone. It feels. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think so. I mean, it's partly timing for me right now because there's stranger things and there's the Goldbergs and you know, that, culture of 80s stuff and things not being high tech and especially with the goldbergs because that's they are they are filming themselves they have a character with a video camera it's slightly back into vogue and it is definitely in the minds of young people now who otherwise wouldn't know they'd be like what is he doing what are you using you know they have a frame of reference now which makes it easier for me because they could say, Oh, this is like that, except it's real life version. (laughs) Uh (laughs) So, um, I have finally gotten a digital camera, a kid that I went to high school with is now a principal at a high school. And he said, Hey, I have an extra, um, GoPro. Do you want it? And I said, sure. And I took it and I've used it, but I've decided not to use it for, streaming and for youtube because i've created something and that's my signature now and that's what i want to continue to use um because people are used to it and it's just it's my thing i watched when i was editing a week or two ago i said wow i've really it took me this long to come to this but i said i've really got this little pitch now that this is no one else Uh, is making something like this other people can sit in front of the camera but the 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 editing the way i do it and i put in like funny sound effects and the way i talk and all everything it's like very specifically me you know i anybody else who did it if anybody else did it like that they'd say oh you're copying weird paul yeah because it would be that specific so i've actually come up with something new which i didn't wasn't sure I was even capable of anymore, <laughs> but I really have. And I'm, I'm really proud of that.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that it's so important to not compromise your vision or your artistic voice. And if that's, if that goes down to using, you know, the analog equipment, like that's a part of your artistic voice. That's a part and, of... Even more
1: so now it's my brand. So now that I actually have an audience, uh-huh. so I don't want to mess with it too much.
0: Yeah, but, you know, it'll be fun. One day you could do weird Paul in HD, <laughs> just like one one special time thing. Right. It could be that like a be, gimmick. That, that would be bring. the name
1: of the special. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs>
1: They'd be great. One million people tuned in. Uh-huh. <laughs> I,
0: you know, I, I, again, I relate to that because, you know, my, the video stuff for me isn't anything that I really pursued a whole lot. Uh, moving forward. I got really deep into doing music. But now I have the podcast. and I do some vlogs here and there. I keep busy enough with it. But with the audio stuff, I had a computer that I got in my senior year of high school. It was a, you know, a Windows 98 IBM computer. I had my first recording software on it. And I refused to stop using that computer. And I've recorded every single album that I've ever released to this day on that Windows 98 computer.
1: Wow. I, I, that's, wow. That's I, mind-blowing. Because it
0: was just part of the ritual. It was part, I was like, I need to record on this. I will say, I'm working on a new album, I'm recording it on a, a new Windows system that I got. But I still have the computer. It's still hooked up. It's over there. I'll fire it up. You know, I still have all my old projects on it. But yeah, it was just, there was no reason for me to do it, other than it was just I loved that computer. I got started. I felt, it's like my, like, partner in crime, you know? I uh-huh. r- recorded my first song on that thing. It's like, I never want to I don't want to leave it go.
1: That's great. I see I, I was I have to make my own like kind of point of reference to that. And I think that now that I'm thinking about it, well, that makes more sense because you're still using a digital means of recording. But I was like taking myself back in time sure. and I was like, that would be like me still using a four track analog <laughs> tape to record my music. I was like, Oh, that would be awful. <laughs> that was so difficult because yeah. once you put another track on, you can't go back you know once you mix down four tracks and you add another track you, know, you can't change anything it's so different now using digital means to record music and i you know every album i've made over the past you know decade i tried to make it a little bit better than the last one you know because now you can you can move every little note around so that now all the instruments actually play on that beat oh yeah yeah good <laughs> I, I couldn't do that before yeah before. no ever
0: I, I, it's 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 created a bit of a, a problem in the way that maybe video has, like the accessibility to easy video editing and easy video distribution has created a a sea of unnecessary, I'll call it. Um I think everybody obviously has a voice and they have the right to put it out there in the internet and share it with their friends, but it can be a little dense at times trying to oh, wade yeah. through the waters. And uh, you kind of got the same thing that happened with music as a result of the digital revolution. Because now, anybody that can play a song at 25% can have a recording that sounds like it's played at 100%. You know, you don't yeah. you don't really have to know what you're doing. Like, with the analog gear, like, you had to know how to play the song. You have to really know how to record it. The computer's not... It's, it's not going to fix it for you. And with a right. lot of video stuff now, it's kind of like a lot of plug and play. So um it 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 creates a lot of mm, you know i i I try to be nice but there's just a lot of junk out there so you know with you and of course there is (laughs) (laughs) yeah with you and what you're doing now just to kind of like get a frame of reference of where you're at because you know you were doing these videos in the 80s and then you were doing your music and it felt like is it safe to say that maybe, you know, pre-YouTube, music was a lot more of a focus for you than the video
1: content? Oh, yeah. Um, partially because, every, you know, every once in a while, like we got a, we had a series of video cameras that we got. And, you know, we, after we'd had one for years and using it and using it, something would go wrong with it or it, it, just the tube inside of it because cameras had tubes in them back then. Would start to go bad and the picture quality was good or it wouldn't stay in focus or you couldn't get it to pause so you couldn't edit in camera anymore. Yeah. Eh. There was, there was problems. And then I would say, then I would say, ah, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to concentrate on doing that right now because it's just too, it doesn't look good. It's not, well, it'd be the same thing as if you were, if you broke a guitar string and you couldn't, you didn't have any at home. Well, let's, we'll put that project on hold for now because I got to go out and get another guitar.
0: Yeah. So, but now, you know, over the past decade ish, eight years, uh, I, I think it's maybe safe to say that the videos become a little bit more of a focus than the music while you still are recording and playing shows. It does seem like videos a lot more of a, maybe a creative priority. Is that safe? To yeah. Think? Well there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I tend to stick, st- I tend to stay where the action is. Yeah. In in my life, as far as what I, what I stick with, I, I put out an album in 2013 and then I didn't put out anything until 2019. So I had six years where I didn't release an album, yeah. and I'd never done that before. It had always been, uh, you know, one or two years between albums. Yeah, like, I put out an album, a year with no album, I put out an album, or maybe two years in between. But but that was the longest I'd ever gone that period of uh, six years. And I was kind—I of, felt bad about it after, when I realized how long I'd gone. So I just dropped everything last year. I just quit making videos altogether, and I just concentrated on getting that album out. And I'm glad I did. And it, now I really want to make sure that I, I start putting an album out every other year. So this year is my year to not do that and to concentrate on other things. And then I'll work on an album next year. But it was because YouTube was taking off for me and I was starting to finally get somewhere. And then this documentary about me that, that came out last year, um, it was originally supposed to come out in 2017. It ended up not coming out uh in a way that everybody could see it until 2019. So in 2017, I went crazy. I made, I started making videos constantly. I was, I was putting up four, five, six videos a week, and I did that because I thought the movie was going to come out and everybody was going to start watching my channel. All the people that saw the movie, and I wanted to be ready. I wanted to have a lot of content yeah. ready, yes, you know, so they could just fall right into the middle of it. And the movie ended up not coming out for a while. So by the end of that year, I said, "I'm getting nowhere. You know, I need to." take some time away from this to start putting time into other things because this is, it was getting me exhausted too. I just was tired of doing it and not getting anywhere, especially because invariably every time you upload a video to YouTube, you lose subscribers. You don't get subscribers. It's quite the opposite. Um, And whether that's because people say, Oh, this isn't exactly what I thought it was going to. This isn't the content I came here for. It's a popular, popular comment these days. Um, or if it's because YouTube is just unsubscribing accounts from your channel, which was supposedly proven that, that that was the case. And that's one of my biggest issues with all social media is that it's not user-friendly. They're, a, they're working against you. Facebook did that too. They're, they just took page likes away from pages. They just take them away because I can go in and see who has liked my page and who hasn't. And people that did like it, yeah. if they don't like it. And it's not because they dislike it. It's because these social medias are doing this and it's all very um, much. Uh, it's for these companies to make money. They're they're trying to make money and yeah. it's not to help anybody out. I, and so I hate social media in general, but it's, yeah. it's the best tool that we have that we didn't have when I was young.
0: I'll tell you this. I, I love the social part of social media. I don't like yes. the media part of social media. <laughs> right. And, it's I find it incredibly frustrating that somebody like me or you has to play ball yes. in the same field as like Coca-Cola or Nike. Right. Ridiculous. It makes no sense. And the thing that is really aggravating to me is like, OK, I get it. You are a business. You're providing me a air quote free service. I have my account. I mean, and. I post things and I'm trying to make a little bit of money. So you want to make a little bit of money from me. But I feel like if you have an account, this has always been my thought. If you have a a business page on Facebook, for example, and if it has like under 100,000 likes, you should not be subjected to the same rules as a huge company. I feel like those social media companies, as much as they have the ability to Tear your page down and make it complicated for you. They have the same ability to help lift you up, and you could sure. actually—they could lift up these independent businesses Absolutely. or artists to get them to a point that where we can comfortably give them five hundred dollars a week to pay for the advertising. If you get us past the threshold of having, you know, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, maybe even more, like genuine Facebook users, All right. if you help build us up. We could help actually give you money instead of. Choke holding five dollars a week out of people that are trying to promote to their three hundred fans. It's so
1: silly. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And I've never been good at playing by the rules when the rules are not just not right. And, and I, you know, they YouTube says, well, here's what you got to do to get your video seen. You have to it has to be this specific length, and you have to put this here, and this you have to say certain things, and uh, it has to have something in the title so that people will want to say, I know I'm not doing any of that. I don't care if nobody ends up seeing it. I'm going to do it my way because at least I was true to my art and, and I created what I wanted to create.
0: It's like, I understand that like, again, I think that going back to me talking about how there's just too much content that exists. I feel like the algorithms and the way that everything's getting automated now is a result of everybody just post. There's just too much stuff. There there's is. really no way for them to filter through it. So in a way, you know, I'll sit here and I'll say like, oh, I don't want to be mean to people that are posting garbage content because who am I to say what is garbage or what is worthwhile? But right. the result, the side effect of all of this content is us having to deal with this because, you know, on their end, they have to deal with storing and distributing, you know, all these like however many hundreds of thousands of hours get
1: uploaded to YouTube every hour. Right, and I'm not. I, I don't. I wouldn't say, "Oh, this is garbage" or "that's garbage." But there's a difference between content that is made uh, with some kind of forethought intent. Yeah, I sit there and I and I edit it, you know, and I make and I make sure everything's clear and the camera is level and steady. Then you watch somebody where they're holding it and it's going. The picture's just jumping like this the entire time, and they're saying um and like every other word, and they don't really know what they're there to talk about. And that I'm, i I. That's my competition here, <laughs> because yeah. you know that's just. I mean, yeah. Well, that that kind of is garbage because you didn't. You're not doing anything, and you're not taking any kind of responsibility about the content. You got to at least make it watchable. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and I just realized this. So I'm talking about how it's not you know fair for us to have to play ball in the same field as all of these big companies but at the same time we're like stuck in the middle because there's a lot of people that are you know creatively i don't want to say they're beneath us but they're just kind of on another level where they're they're uh the content that they create doesn't have as much intent or as much purpose but it's there and it exists and as a result of it just right. being digital
1: information in the internet
0: it's still something that we need to wade through
1: Right. And it's like somebody telling me, commenting on my video, and this has happened. And they say, Oh, what, what kind of camera are you using? The looks picture looks terrible. The sound is bad. And then I look at their video, which is shot in HD, but the camera is <laughs> all over the place. It's, I mean, you're telling me that mine looks worse than yours? <laughs> so, you know. Perhaps they have
0: a, uh, you know, like a Michael Bay inspired Transformers sort of thing.
1: Right. They don't. They, they just their their editing software didn't have like that earthquake effect, so they <laughs> yeah. had to do it manually.
0: Uh huh. That that that's what they're going for. So what I'm curious about now, you know, because since video has become so much of a focus for you, but you are, I think, by default, a musician at your core. That's that's the thing that is weird, Paul. True. I'm curious about now with you making music if the videos if creating videos has had any effect on like how you create music in terms of like the type of songs that you're making or the content that you're making, like, are you, cause I know you make songs for some of your videos and I'm curious if your videos inspire music and you feel like your music has changed a bit as a result of the video creation or if it feels the same.
1: Oh, well, yeah, it has changed. Certainly. I mean, I'm inspired by anything, anything can inspire me to, to write a song. So just writing the script for my next video, I might make a joke in it that that might be an inspiration for my next song. So, a lot of times now when I write the songs, I'm thinking visually, what's going to happen in the video during this part if I were to make a video? Or also, what am I going to do on stage during yeah. this part? Because I tend to do a lot of more solo shows than I used to, especially as I started touring a little more around the country and it's hard to take a band on the road these days. Uh, Financially, it's nearly impossible. So I tend to do a lot of solo shows. And so I have to think of things to keep the audience. uh, What do you call it? I have to keep them engaged, engaged. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I have to keep them engaged with me because it's easy to lose an audience. And then once you've lost them, you're, you're, you're through oh, yeah. on, on your show. So I have to try to, as far as when there's a band on stage, there's a few people to look at at least. And so you don't have to take the entire focus of the show on your shoulders, But it, even if you're a front person. But when you're the only person on stage, you do have to take the entire focus on your shoulders. And so I have to think of things to do, because I always say you get one song where you can just stand there and sing. The rest of the songs, you better be doing something else. (laughs) Sure. Especially, you know, nowadays, like
0: with social media, if you are, if you have a presence on stage and you can really captivate the crowd, people are going to want to watch you and film it to show people that they're there because it's good social credit for them because people will, you know, look at their friend's Instagram page and be like, who's this guy on stage throwing beach balls around? right and then that's great free promotion for you because now people are like what the fuck is weird paul so it's a really cool thing for people to share information but you need to be able to like you said be entertaining and give people that show so they get their cameras out so they have their eyeballs on you and they're inadvertently putting their friends eyeballs on you
1: exactly and for me recently that was the thing for that was the fart loose thing. And I'd done this little, it was originally a Vine video of me just doing this little footloose parody called Fart Loose. It was only six seconds long. And I didn't know, but it was being shared all over TikTok and all over Instagram. And when I finally found out, I re uploaded it. And then I started to get a lot of followers because they realized, oh, here's that guy that did that. And so when I started doing my little tour, I started having some of these kids come to see me. And they, were there. I knew they were there because they wanted to hear me do the Fartless thing too. You know, that was, that was part of them. So whenever I would do that, invariably they would, one of them would get out their phone and film it and put it on Instagram. And then I would read all the comments to the other people that were following them on Instagram and said, Oh my God, you saw him, you know, the Fartless guy (laughs) in concert. Yeah. You know, so that was, that was for me. That was, that, that was a moment like that, where I saw that happening. They, they, They wanted to show their friends, Hey, look, it's the Loose guy. I'm here.
0: Uh-huh. I feel like, you know, there's probably something that we haven't touched on in the world of social media, but meme culture. And I, there's obviously you're reaping the benefits of this to some extent.
1: With, yeah. With definitely. things
0: like the Loose thing.
1: Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, before, to me, a meme was a picture with text in it. Same. It was repeated over and over. But here's the thing: we used when we used Vine. Vine shut down in 2016, so I was on there for a couple years out of whatever length of time that it existed, and then that was just all gone. So now you're looking at three and a half years, let's say, since Vine existed. So you've got kids who are 15 now that were 12 or maybe even 11 when Vine existed. They weren't on Vine. They don't even know what Vine was because they, they hadn't heard of it back then. Now they're at an age where they can appreciate that stuff, but they can't call it a vine because they never knew what that was anyway. So I, that's how that's my perception of how that, that kind of short videos got called memes, because a vine was the only thing they were before. That was what they were created for. So they had to give them another name. Yeah. So that, that, that's all I can come up with.
0: <laughs> I watched something about the history of memes and uh-huh. The the meme that we are aware of, there's a yeah. name for that style of meme. I don't remember. I mean, it was a video about memes, so I didn't retain the information in like any important data banks. I was just kind of uh-huh. watching it. But there was this part of internet subculture that had been going on for a while, a little bit before that style really took off, and they were called memes that's how people referred to them and that had a certain that had a particular name that style that really blew up and kind of exposed memes to the world so that's why everybody considered that the meme but it was only like one thing oh interesting yeah i think a lot of the memes were maybe born off of uh that you're the man now dog are you familiar with that the ytm ytmnd it was like an old website yeah that was it was like you know, early 2000s, late 90s, maybe. I think that was where a lot of meme culture was spawned on there, mm-hmm. which was basically a website where you could go on and just create these pages that were just like weird GIFs with like, you know, some video and like an image. And it was like quick little loops. I think maybe like the Rickroll thing got started. I remember seeing
1: that stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think that that's maybe where some of the meme thing came from. I'll need to look. And now I'm like, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm curious about it again. I want to dig back into that because that's an important thing to know that'll be yeah. that'll be in the textbooks one day oh yeah kids will know they need to know
1: sure they're just think, the history courses, if they don't exist already they will soon uh-huh with <laughs> <College boys. laughs> with you know all of these
0: social media platforms that are I mean it's continue like, they continue to always come up and then go away and then a new one pops up and then with all that stuff we're talking about youtube which has been consistent for a while uh there's always like you're trying to figure out the rules of how youtube work you know you think you got the video thing figured out where oh okay my video has to be this long i have to put this text here i have to name the title this so people will see it It'll be it'll be optimized in the algorithm. But then like two weeks later, it changes. Exactly. You get used to another social media platform and they're changing and then things come and go. And, you know, I created a spreadsheet out of curiosity for like all of my different projects with Mm -hmm. all of the social media accounts to figure out how many social media accounts I manage. And it's like 30 something. Yeah. Across everything, because it's like I have, you know a few things that I do like four or five different things. And then there's like six or seven profiles for each thing. Yeah. And I feel like a crazy person sometimes like I, <laughs> because <laughs> each social media platform caters to a different
1: exactly. set of
0: uh, a different person. Yep. But I'm only me. I'm not all of these people. And I start to feel like I'm like schizophrenic or something trying sure. to, you know, be a presence on all of these platforms.
1: I'm with you on that. I, I hear you. <laughs> creating different content for each one. And after a while, I just have to take a break. It's just, it's, it's so draining. And I've had days where I'm like, okay, so I have different posts for, I'm putting a different post on this Facebook page, this Facebook page. And then I have an Instagram post that's not, not either of those. And I have TikTok that's not either of those. And then I have to put something different on Twitter. And then I have this other YouTube video going up tonight. And it's like, you're just, you, you could spend every moment of every day, you know, posting yeah. all this stuff on different, it's, if you want to do multiple posts a day on every different thing, but there just comes a point where you just can't, you know, you, there's more to life than, than that constant, constant barrage of work of, on social media. That's the thing. It is so
0: much work. Again, uh, you know, I'm behind the curtain. I, you know, I, from an outside perspective, I know how much time you put into this and i've never been on set of you filming anything but i know just because i i've lived it i know how much goes into this and i think that you know it says a lot about just like how much of a shit you give about what you do just because of how long you've been doing it how consistent you've been doing it and it's something that i wish more people would see when it comes to either your work or just anybody's work anybody that's on this independent hustle you know it seems so it looks so effortless i think to a lot of people and that's the point oh yeah like you want it to look like oh i just picked up my phone and sang a song and then i put it out there and you know and now i have you know however many followers on tiktok but it's like no these things just don't happen it's like i'm constantly doing this so you know is there anything that you do because you mentioned you know you Needing to take a break, needing to get away from things. Is there anything that you do that's like not media related in any form to get to, to like take a break
1: from, in any from form?
0: Yeah because I mentioned before whenever we were talking earlier, about like, you know, what do you do? And it was still like, oh, maybe I'll put together a puzzle or maybe I'll yeah. I'll log films that I've watched. Like they're still media related. I'm curious if there's anything oh. in your life that's not media related that you use as sort of like an escape from- So puzzles. you mean like
1: cooking or- Yeah, cooking could be a thing. Yeah, I know, I don't do that. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not an outdoors person. Yeah. So that's not a thing for me. I, I can't stand doing yard work. Anybody would say, oh yeah, to, to take a break, to have some fun, I do some yard work. I think those people should be committed. (laughs) That is not a break. Sure. Uh, That's terrible. Um, No, I can't think of anything that I would do. Um, You know, I mean, the only thing I can come up with maybe is to spend time with my girlfriend Niffer. you know, so maybe we'll go, we've been going for walks a lot of the time since you can't, there's nothing nowhere to go right now. Yeah. You know, it may usually once a day, we take a walk together around the neighborhood uh, we're lucky we we live in the suburbs where there's you can go on an entire walk and not see another person at all sometimes yeah so that's lucky for us um yeah I mean that's about it I, I like to spend time with her so I'd do something with her uh that doesn't involve uh, I guess you know yeah taking a break to to have a meal together yeah I
0: mean, that's, that's nice. Yeah, I agree. And I I, I just want you to know that I am 100% with you. Aside from the fact that I do enjoy cooking dinner, I don't really like doing much else other than media-related things. Like, you know, like right now in my free time, my relaxing is me doing research for a project on Kennywood that I'm doing. And it's it's (laughs) 1,000%. It's going to be like a video podcast series. So me taking a break from work is just casually planning other work.
1: Yeah, that's wow. And
0: uh, when you were talking about, you know, like how media, you know, it's harder the further you go back to find like well documented things like I'm dealing with that on a crazy level right now because I'm trying to do this whole thing, uh, just like documenting uh, the history of Kennywood through the lens of a, a 35 year old kid that grew up in the 90s but there's so little information about so much stuff, you know, once you yeah. get past a certain point. But it's been fun digging for it. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, with the world now, again, 2020. How many times can I say the year? It's 2020. Uh, I you can't know, it. there there're still people that put out music. There're still people that release movies. There're still people that do all of these things, new media, new content. How up to date, do you tend to keep with like bands releasing new music or go to see new movies? Are you like somebody that is like a diehard? Like, oh, if it's not old school, I don't like it. Or are you like, do you actually still go to the movies?
1: Do you still listen to new bands and things like that? I, I do, but it's not I, the thing for me. Is that I'm not saying oh this is worthless because it's not old or or, or what whatever you want to however you want to put it. For me, it is that there is so much old music and there's so much old film and television and whatever that I am not familiar with and that I have not seen and that I have not heard. And I need to catch up with that. Yeah. Because here's the thing about that up until up until five years ago, seven years ago, maybe something around there. um, It was not possible. It was very difficult to hear an album. That you wanted to hear. I mean, there's lots of albums throughout my life. If you had money to go out, I've been poor all my life, so I couldn't. I can't afford to go out and buy an album just because I wanted to hear it, or or buy a, a movie because I wanted to see it. So we've finally gotten to the point now where you can listen to most albums that were released up and through the '90s on the internet, and you can watch a good deal of movies somehow, on the internet that were made up until that point, going all the way back to the silent films. And you could watch television shows that you never thought you'd see again because they were only aired once in the 1970s. You can watch them on YouTube now. So now I have the opportunity of almost my entire life, and I'm going to be 50 this year, all this stuff that I'd only heard about, or music that I'd heard, I'd seen a picture of the album cover in a catalog once, like some... Late 70s Black Sabbath album, the last album Ozzy Osbourne sang on, or something like that. And like, oh, I wish I could hear that. Well, now I was able to hear it because thanks to the internet. So I'm catching up on all of this stuff that for a lifetime I've wanted to experience. And so that's what keeps me from going out and seeing a lot of new movies. And I occasionally, I mean, I I see the new Star Wars movies, you know, I I do go out and see a movie occasionally, and I'll I'll get a movie on. A library that came out recently to watch i i the last one i saw it was jay and silent bob reboot so i still do yeah. watch new stuff and i still hear a lot of new music for one thing they play new music where i work so i hear it all the time whether i want to or not <laughs> <laughs> there so i'm i'm definitely exposed to what's happening and the best thing is because i have a young audience on instagram and tiktok and and for a while, Vine, and and now it's starting to creep into my other social media too, I see what kids are talking about, and then I check out what they... If I hear something enough times, they say, oh, you sound like such and such a thing, then I go check it out. And that helps me not only to know what's going on, but it also helps me to stay fresh because then I know what younger people are interested in and and what they're listening to and what they're watching. Market research. It's great. It's great having that in my life. Yeah. So that's yeah. the answer to that. And I still have, there's so much stuff that I just want to know. And I don't, I'm not saying that I'm really old or that I'm going to die, but who, you never know what, what your, yeah. when your day is going to come. I'm almost 50. Not a lot of people even lived to be 50, a hundred years ago. Yeah. No, so,
0: that's crazy.
1: And I want to experience a lot of things before uh, as far as media is concerned. Yeah, I'm not I'm not like a world
0: traveler. Or yeah, no, like I that. absolutely. And I again, it's another thing that, you know, we relate on because I am really, really bad at keeping up with new film. I will see stuff again, like I'll see, you know, the Star Wars when it comes out, regardless of how much I care or don't care anymore. I'll right. still go watch it because it's Star Wars. I, don't, I never really held a... Uh, too much emotional baggage on the Star Wars franchise. I was just kinda happy that it existed. You know, it's <laughs> like it, I'm not the a movie's never gonna ruin my life. Unlike, you know, some people like to really get loud and complain about oh, that yeah. stuff. It's it's not for me. Uh the same same with the Ninja Turtles. I'm a big Ninja Turtles guy. Uh and you know, Everybody was like, "The new movies are trash." I'm like, you know, you're 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 34. They're not for you. They're for 10 year olds. It's
1: okay. That's Come what down. it is. Yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a new, it's a new film for a new generation. Yeah, that's
0: it's like, that's what I, I always say. I always say, like, you know, whenever the new Ninja Turtles movie came out, before I even got in the theater, before I even saw a second of the film, I loved the movie. Because there was a little six-year-old kid in front of me that had his Donatello book bag on that was super stoked, ready to go in the theater, and I was like, "Hell yes!" And I'm so glad that I saw that kid because it got me in the right mindset to watch the movie. It like made That's me check great. myself just so I knew what this was and who this was for. I was like, That's "Hell great. yeah!" That kid's probably having a good time. But yeah. what I was gonna say, you know, I have a hard time keeping up with stuff because, uh, you know, my, you know, I worked at Blockbuster Video all throughout high school and i like as you know we were i was the type of person that i grew up with collectors my my dad collected tapes i had an uncle that collected movies and records and things like that so anytime i could get physical media for cheap i would buy it you know i go to thrift stores i would just get stuff i never heard of movies i never heard of and i still have piles of things that i haven't i'm still like listening through and watching and that's like why haven't i go like why haven't i seen this movie or that movie it's like because i have a shit ton of stuff in my fucking living room that i'm trying to catch up with still yeah i
1: hear you i have like thousands of of movies (laughs) yeah it's like and and the thing is i'll buy things i show them on youtube what i bought and and sometimes people say oh why'd you buy that game that's that's one of the worst games ever no you don't understand i paid a dime for it at the thrift store you're never gonna see that again for a dime. Why wouldn't I buy it? I
0: I have it now. Yeah. And it's like sometimes I feel like it's not everybody understands the concept of like do the, the experience of experience something most of the time is far more valuable than the actual worth of the product itself. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like I can watch like I just watched uh have you ever seen that movie from ninety three Freaked? The Alex Winters movie. Of course. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. yeah. So I just showed that to my girlfriend for the first time and it was a fucking blast because That's she awesome. was just like, what the fuck is this? It was like, Oh, like this was our, That's you awesome. know, our romantic time together. I was like, we're going to watch this movie. I haven't watched it in a while, but it was a lot of fun. Just like getting to like show right. her that. Sure. And like watch those things where like, you know, we could have, I don't know. We could, now that they're releasing new movies online, you know, we could have watched the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie on our TV, which I do really want to see. I'm very morbidly curious about that. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it. <laughs> how how do you feel about it? Are you curious or are you just kind of like, eh,
1: whatever? I think it's uh you know, the thing of now is that when anything comes out, now there's a lot more this the studios pay a lot more attention to what the buzzes is online, you know, enough that they can change the character yeah.
0: <laughs> design
1: or whatever. It's crazy. Um, I mean, there's movies from when I was a kid that came out that would have benefited from something like that. Certainly. But, well, uh, with that, I,
0: I, I, huh? I was going to say with, with that being said, I didn't mean to cut you off, but with that being said, and kind of talking about star Wars, like how did you feel about the whole, uh, the re-releases of the, the original trilogy when they went back in and
1: I thought that was awful. (laughs) I thought it was awful. I mean, there comes a point where it's too late to fix it, guys. All right. (laughs) You had, if you had done it earlier, maybe that would have been okay. But you know, there are a number of years go by. You're just going to have to let it roll. I just think that, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like once you get to a certain point, it's not fixing it. It's tampering.
0: Yeah. With
1: it, okay. I don't know. That's that's how I
0: look at it. I, I've rarely... There's very few things in my life that I've experienced that have been remastered that I was happy to watch. I think probably most of the exceptions would be like maybe some of the old Disney movies, like watching that stuff remastered. is really cool to see. I watched the like 4K Aladdin and I was like, wow, this looks like an entirely different movie. It's so clean. And like, you know, Fantasia and stuff like that. There's awesome movies to watch. But yeah. when it comes to things like Star Wars or even the Disney stuff, just media in general, I think the like the flaws are what gives it character. And it's probably why I have like an un unashamed appreciation for the Star Wars holiday special just because it's so flawed and wrong it. that it's good. It's like, oh, like yeah. this is what happens. Like this is real. It's Absolutely. not perfect. It's a train wreck. Life is a train wreck. Perfection
1: is not interesting. Yeah. That, that's what I would like to say. I, I mean, I, the more perfect a piece of music is to me, the less interesting it is to listen to. The more perfect something is visually, the less interesting it is to watch. You know, I would like there to be something about it that is not perfect because that make that to me, that gives it the character. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it. Uh, a special, unique thing yeah. which makes it that kind of experience. Otherwise, it's just as perfect as anything else. It's just, it, it's becomes uninteresting. It's just unindividualistic. Mm-hmm. So,
0: as we're wrapping up here, because I, I don't want to keep you too much longer and we've been going for about an hour, I'm curious mm. about you know these interests that you have. I think that it would be very safe for me to like throw out some things and assume that you are a fan of these things just based on the content that you create and the things that we've talked about. But I'm curious and I'm sure the people out there are curious. Is there anything that weird Paul likes media related, whether it's movies or music that might surprise people?
1: It might surprise people. Yeah. Okay. well, um <laughs> that's a good question isn't it <laughs> uh I, I i don't know I, I i'm not real good at answering off-the-cuff questions that i sure. haven't answered before uh i can say that i i like um uh, some pop music a lot of it is just garbage as far as i'm concerned because it's not it, there's nothing interesting about it it's just a car cut a cookie cutter version of something else but, um, you know, th- for instance, there's, uh, there's a Backstreet Boys song I like, and there's a, there's a um, Taylor Swift song I like, and there's a Pink song I like. Those are all things I say. we oh, weird, Paul, why do you like that kind of stuff? Something interesting, though, I found out was those songs, those particular songs that I like by those acts, were all produced by the same guy. <laughs> That's when I realized, oh, it's the production. That I like, maybe not really the songs necessarily. Maybe I wouldn't like them if someone else produced them, but it's that because that guy produced them that way. It's a very so, real thing. But I, but that doesn't change the fact that I like songs by those those people. That a lot of people just disregard and say that's that's crap music. I'm, I, I say, oh, that's my jam, you know. So, <laughs> somebody, somebody will say, oh, I, you only like the Ramones, right? No, no, I like Pink. <laughs> <laughs> no, a, a
0: good song is a good song. Absolutely. And I think like anybody with any base level understanding of music knows that the Ramones were just as pop as anyone else when it, at their core. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's only two kinds of music, good and bad. And I only listen to the good. <laughs> so... Dude, thank you so much for taking time to talk with thank me. You. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad we finally did this. Yeah, I'm glad too. I'm sure that, you know, hopefully I'll get to see you. Uh, we were supposed to play a show uh, this weekend together, actually, and it's not That's happening, crazy. but we'll, we'll we'll play a show. We'll be, we'll entertain the crowds. I'm oh, gonna, it'll happen. We'll both be rocking and rolling until then. I don't think we're oh, ever yeah. going to stop.
1: I'm not planning on
0: it. Yeah, me either. So I'm going to do my outro and I'm going to let you get out of here. All right. Cool. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. One more time. Weird Paul, thank you for being here. I'll be back again in a couple days with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat 2020. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening. And we're done. Good talking with you, man. Have a good day.
1: You too. Thanks a lot.